0: If sales rejection makes you uncomfortable, you're not alone. It's a big club. But my next guest, David Rose, is going to show us how we can dropkick sales rejection and close more deals. Stay tuned.
1: This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line.
0: Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today's guest is David Rose, an accomplished CEO, serial entrepreneur, business speaker, university advisor, board member, and author of the book, Overcoming the 15 Categories of Rejection, Master How to Turn No to Yes. David works with business leaders around the world to help them substantially grow their revenue and profits with innovative strategies and tactics, and he's delivered over two billion in revenue, yes, B with a B, billion with a B in revenue to his clients using his proprietary methodologies. David is also a quoted source to business media and a trusted advisor to startups, small and medium-sized businesses, as well as Fortune 500 companies. So it's a pleasure to have him with us today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, David.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, the pleasure is all mine. Now, let's see, 15 categories of rejection. Now, that's a lot of rejection, David.
1: I guess it is. However, on the flip side of things, Hannah, um, had I not uh, you know, been the person to tell you that out of the thousands of ways... To be told no and rejected in the world for anything imaginable, that it only fits into 15 categories, you probably wouldn't have known that. And just that concept itself, that all the ways in the universe, the world, to be told no, you can categorize? Hmm, that was an unknown concept up until recently.
0: Well, it sounds like you don't like to take no for an answer. And so I'm curious, (laughs) in your experience, where do people get stuck most often with rejection in the sales process.
1: Oh, well, great question, and and I got to prelude that with I know you don't like to take no for an answer either, but in the sales world, um, it starts with it's truly really the first category of rejection, Hannah, which is mind blocks. Mind blocks is where most sales lose the battle, um, and a mind block. It was one of the harder categories to discover and sort of culminate uh, many commonalities and common reasons into a category, a typology, that being mind blocks, um, just because it's hidden and you don't think of it. Money is a category. You know, Maybe the buyer doesn't have enough money. Sure. Well, that's obvious. Compensation or something to trade. People know and just intuitively get that a category of rejection involves monetary money, an exchange of goods or services. But they easily overlook that mind blocks, which are those things in our own mind or the mind of our audience, the person we're looking to persuade, and these things will either hold us back, slow us down, or prevent us from going for something or maybe just try something haphazardly. And that's the answer. That's what is most impacting in a negative way salespeople in any industry you can think of that's the common thread is just you know hey battling my own mind every day to succeed will I make it am I good enough Hey, it's time mr. or mrs. salesman to ask the buyer for the deal and and that's what they're saying in their head that's what they're hearing and they do well you know Hannah I mean that's the deal and I I hope you take it that's not a good close Um, that and that started in their mind and mind blocks come out in many forms And that's what folks have to defeat first.
0: That's interesting, because you're right. I don't like to take no for an answer. I don't know anybody that does, quite frankly. And mind blocks, it sounds kind of mysterious. What are some of the most common mind blocks that you come across from the perspective of the seller? And then I want to flip it to the perspective of the buyer,
1: Great. Yeah. And you and you need to role play in your own you know, mind ahead of time what these things are so you can knock out the barriers in your mind and be prepared to avoid or overcome those mind blocks in the buyer's mind. So, yeah, you need to think about that ahead of time. Well, that's an especially good question. In the mind of the seller, it's really a level of fear that strikes people the most that holds them back fear of failure um just you know dealing with there's so many cliches and so many great motivational speakers have said it you know very eloquently um in many fashions but it all boils down to you know fear is in your mind we control fear or it controls us and it's that fear of failure and if you just come to grips with so what now what hey you know okay i'll fail Um, And then I'll try again. Of course, we only lose if we stay down. If we keep getting up, right, we're going to stay in the game and win. And fear of failure somehow stops people in their tracks. It makes people wake up on the wrong side of the bed because in the back of their mind, that's what they have. I don't know if I'll make it today. Or, you know what, I made it last week. Um, this is fear of failure for champions, right here. Think about this, Hannah. I've heard this from um, in many interviews with successful athletes and business people around the world, where they say, "We're, it's, it's absurd, right? Well, how did you have a fear of failure, Mrs. Champion or Mr. Champion? You've been a champion in your field for five years, ten years, twenty years. Well, aren't you over that? No." because the fear of getting knocked off the pedestal is even with those folks that do well. So you're constantly battling that fear. You achieve the championship and then next year, every team, every other salesperson is gunning for you and your numbers. So that's the one that comes up the most. Another one um, is from a mind block perspective, the inability to um, see, envision yourself, that inability to envision yourself winning. With mind blocks, one of the greatest uh, um, overcoming techniques is meditation and um, seeing yourself succeed visually. So, a mind block for people is just when they start to i have seen this in many exercises and some clinical exercises where a simple thing, if I just say, Hey, what do you want in life? Hannah? And you say, this is, you know, I want to, I want to achieve this. I go, well, go ahead and just real quick, envision yourself achieving it and what it's like. And You know, Hey, no problem. Sounds simple, but mind blocks for someone that has to do that without by themselves, they get stopped in their tracks and they find that they freeze up in their brain and then their attention span goes somewhere else. So that inability to believe in oneself is another mind block. And then, oh, let me follow up here, Hannah, from the perspective of the buyer. Yeah. Um, the biggest mind block that comes up is um, being duped, that they're not getting a good deal or they're not getting the product they want, just being duped. Um, it's Often, often you hear folks talk about that prior to the purchase. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I want, I don't know. Is it going to, hmm, they get They really get locked inside of their own brain around, I want it. But I don't want to have a buyer's regret, a buyer's remorse. And so being able to know that about people and talk to them, um, you know, using some neuro linguistics programming, such as, you know, well, you know, how, how do you think you'll feel? You know, how will that feel, you know, to achieve? Oh, okay. Um, you know, why do you want that? What's that going to do for you? Just understanding, you know, what your solution, product, service, you know, means in their life and the people around their sphere of influence, people, those people's lives that helps the buyer unlock themselves and say yes
0: those are great tips for helping a buyer uh, unlock a mind block uh, to help frame it put it in perspective and ask them those questions to help them with their analysis help me understand though how a seller can overcome mind blocks because you know it's one thing to say oh what do you got to fear just get up and go for it you know but fear can paralyze people and that's easier said than done what are some helpful ways that really can help a seller push through that kind of a block?
1: Oh, it's accountability. That's that's. It's almost imperative for achieving success over long, long periods of time. Having that network, or that best friend, or that person, that mentor, um, whoever that may be, in your corner. You know, maybe it's you know. Uh, a father or a mother. But that's the biggest factor. When you can talk these things out with people, one, admit it so you get out of denial and you speak to it with someone else who either they just listen or they offer some advice. But just in that act itself of sharing, you start to unhandcuff yourself. And of course, as accountability (laughs) works very well for many subjects, you unhandcuff yourself from the fear and handcuff yourself to this hey you know what I gotta do this I'm talking you know hey and, and you build that courage so um, that's one of the things that we'll do. Um, instead of doing formal mentor programs out in the sales world, sometimes we'll just buddy salespeople up um, in twos or threes and let them work on their mind blocks and talk them out, and we'll have a meet either every three weeks or sometimes every four weeks. So we don't do it every every other week. You know, we try to keep them busy selling. But just that factor of partnering with somebody and being able to admit it Tell somebody that you know hey you didn't you didn't fix it this week, but you're going to work harder next week. It puts you in the right direction
0: gives you a little perspective I understand one thing that I think some people uh have an aversion to I mean if you're a professional salesperson you've you're buying into the profession you know this is who you are, but I think there's a lot of small business owners and maybe even medium sized business owners where they've started their enterprise and their expertise isn't necessarily sales. I mean, they know it's a necessary part of the business. It's a very important part because without it, you're not going to bring in revenue. It's not going to sell itself necessarily as much as people would love to have that happen. And I think one of the things, and maybe this is a mind block, you tell me, um, there's a fear of being pushy. And oh, wow. Yeah. What's the difference between pushy and persistent? Besides spelling, I mean, get you know, give me something real.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, um, in, in the book "Overcoming the Fifteen Categories of Rejection," um, I I often refer to, and I've done this for to give away some of my age. I've done it for twenty years. I call it the three Ps. It's you know, my three Ps: professional, polite, persistence. So, to your point, Hannah, um, you just have to start to to accept the fact that hey. I'm not going to be too pushy as long as I'm professional and polite. That's okay. You have to rationalize it with yourself, first of all. I've trained many, many people in different countries around the world, and it always starts with that rationalization every time for them to start to have something to go, okay, so I'm not going to embarrass myself or look silly or junior level Or make them mad and never want to talk to me again. Just have to say, well, look, hey, as long as I'm professional and polite, I can be persistent, right? I mean, isn't that how it works in your world? They're like, yeah. Hey, that's rational. The three Ps. And now we go to the other polar side, the other opposite perspective here, Hannah. Um, This is where it gets a little radical. Now we have to put a metric and an accountability on the number of Goal shots, I, I like to refer to them, going for the clothes, asking for what you want. Let's call it goal shot. You have to put a number out there So because otherwise it's subjective. Okay, you're right. Hey, thanks. Coach, I'm asking for what I want more. That's subjective. You know, then we have to measure the success rate and the quality of the ask, but what we do amidst all of that is we give the rational anchor for hey it's okay, okay, it's okay. And then we give a number of how many times they have to ask. That's where it gets uncomfortable. And they're like, what? So what is that number? Well, um, this this shocks a lot of people, probably not you, but you need to ask at least seven times. Yeah. And that it's like, well I, I would you know I would tell my kid like like you know go to walk away if they just kept asking me over and over. Of course you would if your kid said, Can I have ice cream? No, not right now. Can I have ice cream? No, no, dear, not right now. Can I have ice cream? You can't have ice cream. Can I have ice cream? Obvious. But if it was – if you contort your goal shot in those seven asks or more where it's always a little different, always a variant, and you use what you just learned from that person's rejection in your rebuttal – You're just having a conversation like, like you and me and people like that. People don't mind the conversation. You know, we, we learn, we share, we give, we take, we hear, we're heard. That's magical. So that's, that's the magic right there, Hannah.
0: That's very interesting. And I I really like the part where you said you're incorporating part of the rationale for no, that's assuming you get the rationale because your ice cream example, it's like no is no, like what part of no isn't clear (laughs) and oh, no. Uh, But hopefully when you're having conversations with a a customer, a client, a patient, a guest, uh, whatever you call the person or the entity that you're doing business with, they're giving you some reason for why they're saying no. And, like you said, you can incorporate that into the next round and address those objections in a pro- polite, professional way. So, this is good. But, you know, you said something earlier that I'd like to circle back to. You, you talked about how you uh, deal with clients around the world and everybody kind of has this fear. That's a universal emotion, that's very clear. But I'm wondering, in your travels and your experience, uh, are there some differences between? Parts of the world, as far as how the sales process is approached, or certain types of mind blocks that come up, or types of rejections that are more frequent than another. I mean, are, are there some discernible differences?
1: Yeah, the, the cultural specs certainly have to be grappled with and, and aware of. Um, I mean, a very famous one which impacts the you know the persuasion uh capability is you know personal distance and i think as as most business people have become aware through some study or you know experience or story from a friend is you know hey while visiting other countries the amount of personal distance that you have between you know one yourself and someone else you know can either be tighter or you, know, or you know, or you could you know drive a, a bus between us, you know, to, for their comfort zone. Now, of course, this is pre-pandemic, where we're masks and six feet is you know, safe um, precautions. They're, they're blasted on every every poster and every room you walk in. So that puts a little bit of a of a different spin on things. But pre-pandemic, and at some point, we're going to get back to shaking hands again. Being aware of that personal distance is key. And we found that it creates a big problem. It creates um a lot of well likability, Hannah, is a category of rejection. And we found in some studies that when people are have their personal space encroached upon then it starts to impact other categories of rejection, likeability being a key. You know, why would you like someone that seems to be standing too far away from you? Like, you're like, man, I'm trying to talk to you. Or this, you know, weird, in and, and, and your definition of weird, because they're way too close to you. So that, that one is simple, but it impacts other categories if it gets out of control. I, I would point that out.
0: Very good to know. Your book, Overcoming the 15 Categories of Rejection, how did you go about researching that?
1: Oh, Lordy, yeah. So um, I don't do a lot of public speaking, but I, I do, do some, you know, several times a year at best, and some lecturing. Um, I was asked to speak to a large executive crowd. Um, and I, of course, you say, well, what do you want me to speak about? Um, the gentleman said I would, well, I you know, they deal with revenue and like rejection, full rejection. Perfect. So I just thought I could jump online and get the categories of rejection and it would help me prepare to go talk to this crowd. However, no <laughs> internet searches would, could answer this question. It's like, doesn't happen. So I, I went to the library. Um, Hannah, it was the, it was like out of a movie. The librarian was um, a very picturesque sort of what you would expect out of the movies. A lady with a beehive hairdo and horned-rimmed glasses.
0: <laughs> no um, way. Was the
1: librarian? It was, it was. I always regret I didn't like remember her name or get her name or just I d- don't have that, but I can still see her. So that's the person that sort of sets, that really opens my my eyes to this. And she's like, "Well, let's look it up." And you know, can't find it. She gets another uh, another librarian, a gentleman, to come over, and we go and we're pulling drawers on some like maybe it's Dewey Decimal System. The computer doesn't have it. We're going manual. And then she says, "You know, I've never seen anything like that. I've been a librarian for a long, long time. Um, It might be something you ought to look into." And I said, "Oh, okay, but." didn't think anything about it. I just thought, look into, yeah, like, you know what, like, I'll go to, I'm a, I was on a, a board for a university, so I went to see the, the dean, Dr. Sager, and um, at the University of North Texas, and, um, you know, I'm like, hey man, I've seen these categories of rejection, I'm looking into it, I'm coming here to go you know, to the source, and so he whistles out his doorway of his office, all these professors come in, I guess that's the call, right, like, you know, whistle, oh, dean needs this, he's like, tell him what you want. So i tell him what I'm looking for and I'm like, man, I'm doing what the librarian said. I'm digging into this. I'm going to figure this out. And one of the gentlemen, Terry said, uh, professor Terry said, yeah, that's the typology, David, of rejection. Um, thought about it years ago. It doesn't exist. I was like, Oh, what? It's like typology. It's like, well, you know, the types of something. I said, okay. Thanks for the new word. And thanks for the challenge. Um, that's the same thing. I just heard a librarian say, so that started it. Um, I thought I could do it in a year. It took a little over ten years. Um, a lot more money than I expected to invest in the research process, um, doing surveys, research, and interviews um, throughout the U.S. and Canada. Uh, within the first couple of years, things came up with your your very astute question: What about other cultures? How does that play a part? So I'm like, oh. I realized, and I wasn't even close to knowing and having it definitive what the categories, you know, were. To have academia and other folks back up what my claim would be, which they have done. So um, it it just became a very long another year, another year, another year process. And a little over ten years, um, we we knew we had it. I knew I knew we had it. And that that was a long journey.
0: Well, I'm glad you hit bottom. I I, I can understand. I'm in the process of researching and writing another book myself and just when you think like okay i got it you open up something else and it's just another door and another rabbit hole it's like okay now this needs to be added too so uh, i totally understand the the uh, the challenge it's part of the fun it's putting together a, a humongous jigsaw puzzle and i'm glad that you did it because you know We all live with rejection in one form or another, so it's not a new concept, but it's nice to have a framework around it because then you can start to dig a little deeper and say, okay, yeah, this keeps popping up again and again. What can I do about it? How can I get my arms around it so it doesn't annoy me as much? I was going to say a different kind of word, but but, so yeah, so I don't get so upset. All right, I I will put a more professional spin on it. In your ten-year journey, which is really it's a it's a remarkable period of time, but in some ways it's not surprising when you think about all the nooks and crannies that are involved in this. What was the one thing about sales rejection that surprised you in all of your research?
1: Oh, without a doubt. Um, well, well, let me let me contrast this. The thing that was not surprising was the likability category, which I'd love to follow up with a. a Quick story about likability, but to your point, the one that surprised me the most—likability—we all know. Hey, you know, if I don't like that guy. I want to deal with that guy. Hey, this lady really gets on my nerves. I don't want her to be my sales person. Well, yeah, sure, likabilities. But the thing that you wouldn't really think about—well, um, perhaps you know, perhaps you would—but we saw it was overlooked by most people. Was um, moratorium, a ban. A moratorium or a ban, it's a—it's a, one of the more rare of the 15 categories of rejection that exist, but it's out there um, in just some situations you come into, and it may be either formal um, or not. I mean it could be a law. A law is a form of a moratorium or ban, right? I mean prohibiting the sale of fireworks – to a citizen in the U.S., except during New Year's and the Fourth of July, I and mean, that's a ban. So that one was actually surprising to see how it plays out in the sales world, because a lot of times, more trims or bans are more of the precedent. Well, that's just how we do it here. That's not we don't. That's not how we do it here. Yeah, no, we've never done it like that as long as I've been here for eight years or twelve years. Or the board has set a moratorium. There will be no more consultants. In 2021, we have to do things on our own. These are examples of bans and moratoriums. That one, the surprising factor about them is how they can be turned around. <laughs> Where most folks think, oh, hey, that's a law. Forget about it. You know, Oh, it's always been done that way. The board said, no, we can't talk the CEO into it. Or we can't talk, you know, the manager into it because the CEO put a put a, um, a restriction on it. Well, come to find out, you just go to the source and you work from there. Uh, most people try to work from the, the point of contact they're at. I'm not going to work with a band or a moratorium. You need to go to as high ranking authority as possible, and from there, yeah, you got a good shot. That that surprised most people because they just walk away.
0: Yeah, interesting. Because when peccadilloes become policy, that's when you get those types of things. So that's really fascinating. Very good. So again, the book is Overcoming the 15 Categories of Rejection, Master How to Turn No to Yes. And my guest today, David Rose. Thank you so much for joining me today, David. This has been a blast.
1: My pleasure. You're so much fun. Thank you.
0: That's our show for today. But don't go anywhere. I have a really easy ask for you. Would you please open your podcast app and give us a five-star review and leave a comment about what you love most about the show? I do read them all, and it'll take you less than a minute. And while you're at it, share this episode. Tell someone about it, because the best way to grow our audience is by word of mouth. And if you want the detailed show notes, links to connect with my guest, or cool stuff that we talked about, or even if you want to ask a question or have a show idea, come on over to businessconfidentialradio.com. I'll catch you on the next episode, and in the meantime, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.